Today's episode is sponsored by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BrainsOn. Just go to Indeed.com slash BrainsOn right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BrainsOn. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, friends. I'm popping in with a quick note to say that this is our last episode of 2021. We're going to be back February 1st with brand new episodes of Brains On, and we have some really exciting news to share. Are you ready? Forever Ago is coming back. Yes, we are so excited. We're going to have all new episodes of your fave history show with Joy Dolo this spring. Plus, we're going to have a new Moment of Um show starting very soon, too. Wow, that's a lot of good stuff coming your way. We cannot wait. In the meantime, we're keeping busy. Mark and Sandin are building their own flying sleigh. Manika is knitting a wool romper for Gungador, and it's taking a lot of wool. Ruby is perfecting her hot chocolate recipe, and I'm recreating all the greatest buildings out of gingerbread. Right now, I'm working on Cookie Ham Palace. So enjoy this episode, and we'll be back soon. You're listening to Brains On, where we're serious about being curious. Brains On is supported in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. From the blackness of space, she's coming. Um, Houston, we're getting a strange reading. Is it a meteor? She defies explanation. Her mere existence stops people cold in their tracks. Uh, no, it's not a meteor, it's... No way. Could that be? Hello? What is it? Oh my goodness. What is happening? Are you in trouble? Report back. Report back. Coming soon to an empty void near you. It's a duck in space. It's waddling toward us. It's a duck. A duck? That's not possible. Tell that to the duck coming right for our ship. She's not in a spaceship. She's not wearing a space suit. She's just a regular brown duck in space. We're seeing it now, too. It is a duck in space. A duck in space. Why? How? Why? How? I don't know. Nothing makes sense anymore. For crying out loud, give it crackers. <laughs> We're all out of crackers. No! Yeah, and then the duck attacks the ship like quack, quack. And the astronauts have to shoot away with an old broom. And it's chaos and explosions and lots of special effects and feathers floating everywhere. You know, but in space. What do you think, Molly and Kiara? Um, that's a very interesting idea for a movie, Mark. Yeah, I've never heard of a plot like that before. Oh, I know. I've written the whole screenplay. I was thinking we could get maybe Scarlett Johansson to voice the duck, or maybe Michelle Williams. Someone to give it a little Oscar buzz. Anyway, can it be in the episode? Um, yeah, we'll see. The episode is more of a thought experiment. It's not really about ducks. 
Not loving the duck. I get it, I get it. I can take notes. How about a ferret in space? Oh, 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 or an iguana. I'll brainstorm some alts and get back to you. You'll love them. Trust me. Thanks, bye-bye. You're listening to Brains On from APM Studios. I'm Molly Bloom, and my co-host today is Kiara from Temecula, California. Hi, Kiara. Hi, Molly. And you wrote us a very interesting question. What would happen if you dropped a feather in space? So, Kiara, how did you start thinking about that? Well, I was thinking about it, and I was starting with astronauts and how heavy they are in space. They're very heavy. And what about something lighter, like a feather in this case? Would it go Mm. down? Would it go up? Would it float or would it stay? Interesting. So what did you think would happen when you were thinking about this to the feather? I think it will float or go down. Cool. So if you got to drop a feather in space, what kind of feather would you drop? It would be like very floofy, very fluffy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And are you interested in space in general? Like, Do you like the idea of being an astronaut? Kind of, because I'm a little scared of how hot the sun is mm. and how cold Mars is. Yeah, I'm I'm a little scared of space, too, to be honest with you. But it's fun to think about. I don't know if I'm brave enough to be an astronaut, but I like these kind of thought experiments. And space is a big place. There are really lots of answers to this question that you have. So we're going to talk about dropping feathers in a few different spots today. Different stuff would happen in all of them, depending on where you are in the universe. But there's one thing that all dropped feathers in all parts of the universe always have in common. They're perfect for tickling feet. Definitely. Plus, like everything else in our universe, gravity works on them. Gravity pulls stuff together. Cindy Ayu is a physicist who studies how the universe began. Gravity likes to pull things in our universe together based on how much stuff they have and how uh, far apart they are. The amount of stuff in a thing is also called its mass. It's a little bit like its weight. So if you think about a thing, like a planet or a moon that's really big, it pulls on other things really strongly. Especially if both things are near each other. Closeness makes the pull of gravity stronger. Feathers also have mass, so they also have some gravity that's pulling back on the things around them. But it's so small and weak, it's impossible to notice compared to the big, powerful gravity of, say, the Earth. So when you drop a feather on Earth, the Earth has a gravity that pulls on everything, and that includes the feather, and so the Earth wants to pull on it, and so it will just pull it closer and closer to the ground. So on Earth, gravity makes a feather fall down. And that powerful gravity from the Earth pulls on all things around it equally, no matter the object. Yeah, feather, rock, semi-truck, the Earth pulls on all of it with the same strength. We're clear on that now, but we weren't always. To explain, let's travel back hundreds of years to the late 1500s. A scientist named Galileo was studying how things fell. There was a theory out there that said things fall faster if they have more mass. So according to this theory, a bowling ball would fall faster than a golf ball. Or put another way, the Earth would pull harder on the bowling ball than the golf ball. Yes, a silly notion indeed, Harumph, and I, Galileo, disagree. Galileo believed that the gravity of a planet, like Earth, worked the same on all objects, regardless of their mass. 
that Earth pulled on all things equally. Yes, on Earth, if you drop a loaf of bread and a loaf of lead at the same time, they should land at the same time. That's the law of gravity. Also, pick up that bread within five seconds and it's still good. That's the five-second rule. Legend has it, to demonstrate this to a bunch of his students, Galileo climbed up to the top of the famous Leaning Tower of Pisa. And once there, he dropped two balls with different masses, one heavier and one lighter. And they landed at the exact same time. Well, what did you expect? Of course I was right. Just like I'm right that giant ruffled collars will always be in style. Y'all still wearing those, right? Of course, they rule. So, if Galileo was right, if you drop a feather and a hammer... They should fall at the same speed. Right. Because even if the hammer weighs a lot more and has more mass than the feather, Earth's gravity would act on them equally, so they should fall equally as fast. But if you try it at home, it doesn't work that way. You'll see the hammer hit the ground right away, but the feather will flit and float and fly around before finally setting on the ground. And if it's windy, that feather might even fly up higher. So what's going on? Well, the answer is obvious. It's not a difference of gravity. It's air. Bada bing, bada boom. On Earth, we've got an atmosphere made of air, and everything that falls pushes through that air. But because of the laws of physics, that air also pushes back a little. If you are a hammer, the air tries to push against you, but your weight pushes against the air, so it doesn't really slow your fall. If you're a feather and you weigh very little but you take up a lot of space, there are lots of places where air can push against you. And that pressure of the air can really slow you down or even push you around if it's coming from the side or below. Well, of course. That's why if you really wanted to show how right I was, you'd have to go somewhere without air and drop a feather and a hammer and you'd see them thunk, hit the ground at the same time. But how would you find such a place? Turns out a perfect place to try this experiment is the moon. Because like Earth, the moon has gravity that pulls on objects around it. But compared to Earth, it's almost an airless place. It has very little atmosphere. So it's a lot like space. We call something that is empty like that a vacuum. Space is a vacuum, and so is the moon. The moon? <laughs> yeah, right. How are you going to get that? And that's exactly what happened. Oh, snap. Y'all went to the moon? Dang, did not see that coming. In 1971, on his last moonwalk of his mission, NASA astronaut David Scott stepped outside the spacecraft in his big white spacesuit. He stood on the moon's dusty surface. The cameras were rolling. Beautiful picture, Dave. In one hand, he had a hammer. And in the other, a feather from a falcon. I guess one of the reasons uh, we got here today was because of a gentleman named Galileo a long time ago who made a rather significant discovery about falling objects in gravity fields. And we thought that uh, where would be a better place to confirm his uh, findings than on the moon? And I'll uh, drop the two of them here, and hopefully they'll hit the ground at the same time. How about that? What happened? What happened? They both hit the ground at the same time. <laughs> Mr. Galileo was correct in his findings. Yes! I mean, I totally knew I was right the whole time, yeah. So, gravity is always working on all objects in our universe. Air changes how a feather falls on Earth, but if you drop a feather in a place with no real atmosphere, but with plenty of gravity, like the moon, it'll fall at exactly the same speed as a hammer. Pretty amazing, right? Literally out of this world. Brains are- 
<clears throat> Let's come back down to earth for a minute. It's time for the... Here it is. What is your guess? I think it is somebody unrolling a very leafy mat um, mm. in a big crowd. I like that because you heard some rustling, some people in the background. Why do you think someone would be unrolling a leafy mat in a large crowd of people? Like for celebration. Mm-hmm. I like it. Maybe they're having a little like beach blanket picnic situation. All right. Well, we're going to hear it again and give you another chance to guess a little bit later in the show. everyone, we've got some very exciting news. We wrote our first ever picture book. It's called Earth Friend Forever, and it's full of beautiful illustrations, lots of science, and drawings of the moon wearing glasses. We think you're going to love it. You can pre-order it now and be the first to get it when it arrives in March 2022. Just go to brainson.org to find the link. And if you're looking for something to do while we're on break, why not draw us a picture of Mark's Ducks in Space movie? You gotta help him bring his idea to life. Send your drawings to us at brainson.org slash contact. While you're there, you can also send us mystery sounds, drawings, or questions. Like this one. Hello, my name is Mara. I'm seven years old and I'm from San Francisco. And my question is, if you pick a flower or a fruit or vegetable, is it still alive or is it dead? We'll answer that during our Moment of Um right after the credits, and then we'll read the most recent listeners to be added to the Brain's Honor Roll. So keep listening. Today's episode is sponsored by Sitka Seafood Market. Seafood is a great source of long-chain omega-3 fatty acids, which can support heart health. Salmon is one of my favorite foods, and so it's so delightful when a box of amazing quality, beautiful salmon arrives at my door. Sitka Seafood Market sources from small boat fishermen and community-based processors that take great care to provide the highest quality seafood that is wild-caught, sustainably, and ethically harvested. And one of the best parts is Sitka Seafood Market offers a variety of flexible subscriptions that can come monthly or every other month. It's super convenient, so if you're going on vacation, you can pause or you can cancel any time. I know you'll love it as much as I do. Go to SitkaSeafoodMarket.com and use code MOLLY35 for $35 off your first order of $100 or more. That's SitkaSeafoodMarket.com, promo code MOLLY35 for $35 off your first order of $100 or more. That's SitkaSeafoodMarket.com. You're listening to Brains On from APM Studios. I'm Molly. And I'm Kiara. So, Kiara, we've talked about dropping a feather on Earth. Earth's gravity pulls it down, but air pushes against it. So the feather does a little floaty dance as it falls. And dropping a feather on the moon? There's no air on the moon to push against a feather, so only gravity acts on it. 
and the feather falls just as fast as anything else. Now, I think we're ready to take this feather dropping out into space. Producer Manika Wilhelm has more on that for us. Hi, Manika. Hey, Kiara. For our next feather drop, let's imagine that we're about 250 miles above the surface of the Earth. Right where the International Space Station hangs out. Yeah. Up here, similar to the moon, there's not much air to push against a feather. There is still gravity. But remember how the pull of gravity depends on both the size of things and how close they are together? Yeah. Gravity is stronger when things are bigger and closer together. And it's weaker when those things are farther apart and smaller. Exactly. Out here, we still feel Earth's gravity. But the pull of that gravity is different than it is on the ground. It's weaker here. We'll get to that more in a moment. But first, let's do the short answer to this question. If I were to drop a feather right over, like, there, right now, the thing that would immediately happen is... It will just stay right there. Mark Matney studies stuff we've put into space at NASA. Huh, so... If you drop a feather in space, right away it just stays below your hand right where you left it? Well, that's the short answer. The long answer, honestly, Molly, is the kind of space brain bender that I think might make you want to cut a Molly-sized slit in the carpet in this room and then slide yourself into it so that you kind of make the floor into a Molly-sized sleeping bag that you can just cocoon into until we stop talking about space. No, I'm ready. I thought this might happen, and I took a lot of deep breaths before you got here. A lot. Okay, the longer answer is that in this moment, our dropped feather looks like it's standing still, but actually, it's not standing still. And neither are we. All of us are going around the Earth in a circular loop. We're in orbit, and we're actually going really, really fast. In order for an object to stay in orbit, say the the International Space Station, it has to travel sideways at more than seven kilometers per second. That's about 17,000 miles per hour. In just an hour and a half, we're going all the way around the Earth. And we don't get to pick if we stay in orbit or exit orbit. Earth's gravity is pulling us into orbit whether we like it or not. Same for our feather. And so what it's actually doing is it's actually, in a sense, falling around the Earth because the gravity of the Earth is pulling it down, but it's still going forward. Whoa. So even though it's actually zooming around the Earth, Our dropped feather looks like it's standing still. Because we're zooming around the Earth, too, okay? If you think about it this way, if you're on an airplane... Welcome to the friendly skies. We're traveling at about 500 miles an hour. Should have you to Indianapolis right on time today. And your friend is is in the seat behind you, and you toss him a bag of peanuts. Tossing peanuts is not encouraged on this flight. Uh, hi, I'm the Peanuts. Before your friend tosses me, I'm moving at 500 miles per hour along with the rest of you. That's right, I'm a very speedy snack. And we'd like to remind everyone, especially that chatty bag of peanuts, that although we're moving quickly, we're all moving together. So there's no need to brag about speed. Oh, nuts. So even when I go airborne to get to your friend, I'll just seem like I'm getting thrown normally. You just toss it to him because everybody's moving along at the same rate of speed. So sit back, relax, and enjoy, sitting still while moving quickly. At first, we're all zooming around in orbit, including our feather. So compared to us, it's sitting still in space. However, if you leave it there for a while, it will start 
to interact with the very, very thin atmosphere up there. While Earth's gravity pulls the feather into orbit, there are a few particles around, a really thin atmosphere. And those particles push against the feather, the same way that air keeps the feather from falling straight down on Earth. And it will eventually start to spiral into the Earth because it can't maintain its orbit. And it will eventually burn up in the atmosphere like a meteor. So how long would it take our dropped feather to get back to Earth's atmosphere? Mark thinks maybe a couple of days, because feathers are pretty small. Astronauts occasionally drop tools when they're working on spacewalks around the International Space Station, and those items generally spiral back to Earth's atmosphere within weeks or months. But the farther out an object is, the longer it'll take to get back to Earth. Up where our scientific missions fly up to up about 700 kilometers altitude, it's going to take decades for those objects to drag down. And just a little bit higher, uh, where some we operate a lot of satellites up at 900 or 1,000 kilometers, it can take centuries for things to come back in. And if you go even higher than that, out, say, to where we put our, our GPS satellites out at middle Earth orbit or at geosynchronous orbit where we have our communication satellites, for any purposes, they're, they're up there forever. We've got one more feather drop to do. But first, let's talk for a minute about stuff that's stuck in space. It has a few names. One is orbital debris. Another is space junk. So sometimes spacecraft just break and stop phoning home. You know, they stop talking to the ground. And that, when, that, when it becomes dead, it's just a big piece of junk. Which can be a problem. Because if you think about tracing the path of one object's orbit around Earth, you've got one loop around the Earth. A little like Saturn's rings around its center. Yeah, but that's just for one orbit. And orbits can go all around the Earth in all directions. So all the paths together look more like one of those balls made of rubber bands where the rubber bands are looping around in all directions. Plus, all of the orbits, like we said, are going really fast. And we launch more satellites and rockets into space every year, which means we have to be careful about things running into each other. As we put more and more stuff, it gets more and more crowded up there. And that's something that we're very, very interested in is how can we do things to be better citizens in space and not make a mess? A lot of that is actually being careful about what we launch into space and designing rockets so that they leave less junk in space in the first place. It's really hard to pull stuff out of space. The space shuttle did recover some objects in space. Those are for specific missions. So it can be done. We've shown that it can be done. But in terms of cleaning up space junk, there, there's really not any space, you know, space tugboats yet to clean up debris. But it would be pretty cool if there were little rocket tugboats floating around, scooping up space trash and putting it in space trash cans. But that's not actually happening. So let's get back to our feather here. We've got one last place to drop this puppy. Far away from the Earth? So far that it won't orbit the Earth? Exactly. It's out in interplanetary space. It's away from the Earth-Moon system. And it will actually orbit the Sun. Just like the Earth and all the other planets. Out here, there is truly no atmosphere. And our little feather still feels the tug of Earth's gravity, but we're so far away, it's not pulling very strongly. What the feather feels the most is the sun's gravity, since the sun is much bigger than the Earth. So the feather will orbit the sun just like anything else in our solar system. And it will happily do that, essentially forever. Unless it runs into something else in its path, like a space rock that's floating around. We call those meteoroids and asteroids. And a meteoroid can hit it and maybe cut it in two, or if a big one hits it, it will destroy it. But uh, we have meteoroids, we have asteroids, so there is natural junk in space. 
So no matter where we drop this feather in space, it'll follow the pull of gravity. And big, close stuff will have the strongest pull on our feather because that's how gravity works. But just like on Earth, if a feather has to run into something, like a little bit of atmosphere or a meteoroid, that'll change its path too. Cool. Thanks, Manica. Of course. Now, if you'll excuse me, I prepared for this segment by cutting a Manica-sized slit in the carpet in the other room, and I need to go cocoon into it for a bit to recover from the tall building feeling that I get when I think about space this much. Totally get it. Bye! Bye! All right, Kiara, are you ready to come back to the mystery sound? Yes. All right, here it is. Hey, what, what did you hear that time? Do you have any new thoughts? So I think it's rubbing feathers from a falcon. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Ready to hear the answer? Yeah. All right, here it is. Hi, my name is Colin from Chicago, Illinois. That was the sound of me picking corn. I grew it in my community garden. Corn is also my favorite food. I kind of got the uh, leaf part because corns have leaves. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. Totally. You got the leaf part totally right. So your ears were very good at detecting that. And it's hard to know exactly what leaves without really seeing it. So I think you did pretty great. I bet there was a crowd there. At the garden. Yeah, because it's a community garden. So there's a lot of people there probably. Oh. Do you like to eat corn? Well, I eat popcorn. Um, We got the... The things we have to pop from the store mm-hmm. and we pop it to get the crunchy taste. Mm, the little kernels. So yummy. Yeah, the kernels. I love popcorn. Molly, Kiara, I got it. I fixed my movie. You're going to love it. Mark, hey, the episode's almost over. I'd still like to hear your idea. Are you sticking with space ducks? Yeah, but now they're robo-ducks. You know, duck droids. There's two of them, and one is tall and gold and talks with a British accent, and the other is kind of this short thing and beeps a lot. And get this, these two duck droids wind up getting involved in a battle in space. So there's good ducks with blasters and spaceships and bad ducks with laser swords. And in the end, the good ducks help blow up a giant moon that's really a death ray shooting space base. (sighs) What do you think? Mark, that's already a movie. Yeah, it's Star Wars, but with ducks. Uh, Star what now? Star Wars. The most famous sci-fi movie of all time? Hmm, well, you may be right. You know what? Space is played out. How about an underwater adventure with a submarine? And, of course, it's run by ducks. Oh, wait, it's a duck submarine. Yeah, yeah, a duck marine. Yeah, and, like, it's shaped like a giant duck, and inside it are smaller, real ducks in hats and shirts, and they sing sea shanties. This is gonna rule. Yoo-hoo, duck-hoo. If you drop a feather anywhere in our universe, gravity pulls on it. 
gravity is strongest between objects that are bigger and closer together. On Earth, gravity pulls a feather down, but air pushes it back up. There's less air on the moon, so a feather falls just as fast as a hammer. Out in space, a feather would get pulled into orbit. Unless something else pushed against it. That's it for this episode of Brains On. We've still got one more question to answer. If you pick a flower or a fruit or vegetable, is it still alive or is it dead? But first, some quick credits. This episode was produced by Manica Wilhelm, Sin Totten, Mark Sanchez, Ruby Guthrie, and Molly Bloom. We had engineering help from Nick Cauliflower. We had production help from Trisha Bobita. And our intern is Catherine Sunquist. Our executive producer is Beth Perlman. And the executives in charge of APM Studios are Lily Kim, Alex Shafford, and Joanne Griffith. Special thanks to Somali Akaresa Hitvige, John Raby, Rosie DuPont, Mickey Bloom, and Dan Latou. Brains On is a nonprofit public radio program. You can support the show and help us keep making new episodes by heading to brainson.org. While you're there, you can donate, join our free fan club, or check out our merch. Now, before we go, it's time for our moment of um. If you pick a flower or a fruit or vegetable, is it still alive or is it dead? I really love this question. It made me think a lot about plants and how they work. Hi, my name is Maggie Wagner. I'm a plant biologist working at the University of Kansas. So we have to start by defining what it means to be alive. So a a living organism is something that can grow and change. It often needs to eat or get nutrients in some way. And the key is that a living thing must be able to reproduce or have babies, make more of itself in some way. So before you pick a flower, fruit, or vegetable, these are all different parts of a living plant. But the answer to this question really depends on what part of the plant you're talking about. So flowers are temporary structures and they do not have the ability to grow their own roots or leaves. And so when you pick a flower, it pretty much begins to gradually die at that point. So fruits are different flowers because they actually contain seeds that are still alive and they will grow into a new plant if you put them in the right environment. So for example, the seeds inside an apple could eventually grow up to become a new apple tree. As far as vegetables, again, there's a lot of different types of vegetables and they're all different parts of the plant. So for example, some vegetables are leaves like lettuce or spinach, and those do not have the ability to grow new roots and continue living after they're picked. But there's also vegetables that are bulbs like onions, and those, if you were to plant them in soil or even just in a cup of water, you would see them grow roots and eventually grow green leaves as well. So those are still alive. And there's some vegetables that are just roots like potatoes for example you might see an old potato left in your pantry for a long time that's starting to sprout and grow um, into new plants so those would be still alive as well Uh, and a key point is that a lot of these plant parts once you start cooking them or processing them in some way like making pickles out of cucumbers those processes will result in them being no longer alive
Um, 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 picking up this list definitely makes me feel alive. It's the Brains Honor Roll. These are the incredible listeners who send us questions, ideas, mystery sounds, drawings, and high fives. Saul from Honolulu, Daniel and Timothy from Sacramento, California, Catherine from Connecticut, Scarlett from Chicago, Grace from British Columbia, Mercer from St. Louis, Missouri, Vivian from Kalispell, Montana, Desmond, Griffin, and Soren from St. George, Utah, Ariane from Mumbai, Silas and Izzy from Knoxville, Tennessee, Penelope from Fernandina Beach, Florida, Eva from Washington, D.C., Isla from Guelph, Ontario, Colby and Briley from Fallbrook, California, Rachel, Adrian, and Christina from Indianapolis, Ben from Adelaide, Australia, Tatiana and Joey from Park City, Utah, Ethan from Euless, Texas, Texas, Opari from Louisville, Kentucky, Christopher from California, Malloy from Grafton, Australia, Avi from San Jose, California, Addison from Humpty Doo, Australia, Lark from Eau Claire, Wisconsin, Elliot from Lexington, Illinois, Kyle from Provo, Utah, Hannah from Hillsborough, Oregon, Gabriel and Elena from Wentzville, Missouri, Micah from Sudbury, Massachusetts, Abby from Milford, Massachusetts, Adve from New York City, Anna from Portland, Oregon, Ariana from Sydney, Australia, Nana from Calgary, Alberta, Ewan and Miles from Springfield, Massachusetts, Lark from Eau Claire, Wisconsin, Jackson Tate from Mississauga, Ontario, Isaiah from Los Angeles, Aaron from London, England, Claire and Charlotte from Dallas, Juliet and Eliana from Cardiff by the Sea, California, Nate from Conception Bay, South Newfoundland, Rachel from Torbay, Newfoundland, Lily Jade and Cahill from Sonoma, California, Emily and Nicholas from Boston, Harrison from Edwardsville, Illinois, Anushka and Zaev from Woodstock, Vermont, Joey from Maryland, Finn from Brooklyn, New York, Shannon from Poway, California, Palmer and Tripp from Hanahan, South Carolina, Otis from Santa Barbara, California, Nora from Cumberland, Rhode Island, Finn and Julian from Texas, Ashra from Potomac, Maryland, Summer from Vancouver, Marcus, Ellie and Oliver from Kansas City, Irma and Isaac from Portland, Oregon, Liam from Fort Wayne, Indiana, Genevieve and Kenneth from Alexandria, Virginia, Jackson and Owen from Brooklyn, New York, William from Rockaway, New Jersey, Liv from Washington, D.C., Sean from Canada, Jack from Wentzville, Missouri, Dean from Phoenix, William from Jakarta, Indonesia, Namra from Multan, Pakistan, Dorothy from Chattanooga, Tennessee, Naima from Inman, South Carolina, Anna, Caleb and Andrew from Arkansas, Cooper from Imperial Beach, California, and Arav and Arna from Edison, New Jersey. Brains On will be back soon with more answers to your questions. Thanks for listening.